You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 181, and in just a moment, I'm going to be answering a question that came to me by email from a regular listener named Joe, and we're going to be talking about uh, what are the factors that should come into play when you are picking a church? Very important topic. Excited to do that. Hey, before I answer the question, just quick reminder to everyone about our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. If you haven't been there, I encourage you to check it out. In particular, I want to highlight the resource section. I've got a bunch of stuff you can see there, uh, resources like podcasts, books, and blogs, and links, and things like that that you can check out that I think will be helpful to you as you see, seek to do you know, research and things of that nature. And then also, of course, you can find all of our old episodes, the archive of every episode episode. Uh, you can search actually by topic or keyword. So if you're looking for a particular topic, you can search it there and it'll pull up all the episodes related to that topic. I encourage you to hit the website whenever you get a chance, theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's dive into the question at hand. Got a, an email from a guy by the name of Joe. I've corresponded with a few times. So shout out to you, Joe. Thanks for sending this in. Here's the question. He says, hey, Kenny, please consider answering this question in one of your podcasts. He says, there are many factors that believers may consider when choosing a church. Uh, these include church programs, style of worship and music, fellowship opportunities, and travel distance. Sometimes it seems that a church's belief or doctrinal statement may take a lesser priority. Why is understanding a church's belief or doctrinal statement important? What a great, great question, Joe. I, I will tell you this. I agree that many people seem to take doctrine as a lesser priority. And I will tell you, I think that is a absolute tragic mistake. I'm going to say that again. If you are looking to particular find a new church home and you're searching between different churches, and if the doctrine and beliefs of that church are not a high priority, you are making a mistake in how you are choosing a church. Um, and if you are, if you have already chosen a church and if the doctrine and beliefs of that church were not a part of the, the, the thought process, I believe that your thought process was flawed in some way. Now, that may sound harsh to some extent. I, I don't mean to sound harsh, but I just, I feel the need to be honest and tell you the truth. Doctrinal statement, beliefs, and theology ought to play a part. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to leave your church. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. If you've made that commitment and you've coveted to be a part of that church, maybe, maybe you can stick it out or maybe it's a great church and has great theology and you should be excited to be there and, and the God can use you and it could flourish and it's awesome. Um, but there's no doubt that ought to be on the minds when people are considering churches. Um, there was actually an article not too long ago by Relevant Magazine. Uh, I'm going to find it and put it in, put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Uh, but they kind of talked about, they did some surveys as to what people wanted when they were looking for a church. And typically, number one is good public speaker. They wanted to go and hear good quality, inspiring uh, sermons on Sunday morning. And that's not necessarily bad in and of itself, but I think there's something, I, I think there's a missing element uh, to that. I, I, I think dynamic speakers are good. I, I I surely hope to be one. That's, you know, I definitely believe that having a dynamic element to your speaking and communicating is not necessarily bad and can certainly be helpful. However, that that's not the primary goal when you're teaching. When the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 
uh, 2 and 3 and Titus talks about the qualifications of an elder when he says that an elder should be able to teach. I don't think he's talking about dynamic communication. I think he's talking about someone who knows the scriptures well, someone who knows theology and knows how to articulate the scriptures and what the scripture says. I think that's what Paul is referring to there, not necessarily to the quality of his public speaking per se. And so I think there are a lot of things that come on people's minds, as, as Joe mentioned in the email, you know, church programs, particularly children's ministry is a big one. People want to go to a place where they feel like they've got a really great, you know, rocking, kicking children's ministry where their kids are going to have a great experience. Um, I think that's important to some extent. I'm not saying that's not important. I, I just think that's probably over-elevated over in the minds of a lot of people. I think uh, style of music. I think the volume of the music in the service also comes into play. Uh, I literally asked, had a conversation with someone recently who had just switched churches, and he said, why'd you leave that other church? And he, he literally, his question, his answer was, it was too loud. I said, what do you mean? Is The music was too loud. I couldn't handle it. And that's why he left. And the church he left, I think, was a very healthy gospel-centric church in a lot of ways that I would recommend people to be a part of. Uh, it's not my church, but it's, it's a great church that I would recommend and endorse. And so I, I thought to myself, I didn't say anything in the moment, but I thought to myself, I wonder, could, could you got an earplugs? Like, could there have been something we've done rather than, I, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a good enough reason for people to leave a church. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, uh, another one that Joe mentioned in the email that I think is definitely important you know, that definitely comes into play is is distance travel distance um parking comes into play convenience there, there are a whole long list of things that people choose a church you know a, a, you know people used to choose what church are going to go to that i think are probably over elevated and so how does doctrine come into play well i don't necessarily think you need to choose a church that has the, the right perfect doctrine that you have already set forth um i don't think necessarily what you ought to be looking for because that might not necessarily be easy to find, um, particularly if you're someone like me that's, you know, has a lot of opinions. If you're a very opinionated person like me, it's going to be hard to find a church that has the exact same opinion as you. It's just not going to be reality. For most people, though, you're probably not going to be nearly as opinionated as someone like myself, and and maybe your opinions are going to be lesser. And so finding a church that agrees with the two or three doctrinal statements that are really important to you might, you know, might be easier. Uh, I think it's going to vary from person to person. But, but I don't necessarily know that finding a church that has the perfect doctrinal statement is necessarily what you ought to be looking for. What I think what ought to be, I think the question that ought to be asked is this, is the church being faithful to the text? You know, me and the, the, the pastor of the congregation that I've recently been a part of, a new church plant, uh, we've had this conversation recently. And, and so we've just talked quite a bit about the idea of being faithful to the text. What does the scripture say and how do we honestly present it? And so this plays out in two ways. Number one, in the preaching, right? Whenever a preacher preaches, I think his main goal should be to be faithful to the text. Present the text. What is the, here is what the scripture is. Let's read it together. Let's examine it. And then allow me to highlight the things in this text that stand out. And, and let, me, let me be consistent. Let me be intellectually honest. I want to present to you what the text says. I don't want to impew or to put onto the text what I think it ought to say, which is tragically how most preachers preach in America today. It's not, it's what we call isogesis, which is basically you have an idea of what you want to say. So then you go find a text that kind of backs that up. And then you read the scripture in front of your, your congregation on Sunday morning to back up a point that you already had in mind rather than exegesis, which is approaching the text and saying, okay, God, what is this? What does this text actually say? And I think we want preachers to be exegetical, not isogetical, right? We want preachers to say, okay, here is what the passage of scripture is. Let's read it together and let's try to extrapolate the truths that are here. I want to faithfully and consistently 
actually just tell you what the text is teaching us and portraying here. And so often I feel like I've heard sermons from different preachers who preach a text or a verse or a passage and they make certain points. And then I go back and study the passage and I think to myself, that's not what the text was saying, actually. That, that's not what the author had in mind when he wrote that particular passage. Now, sometimes the point they're making in the sermon might be true. But my, my frustration is that whatever Bible passage they quoted isn't necessarily pointing to that, right? Someone may get up and try to, you know, preach from a passage and say, okay, you know, God blesses his children. And that is a true thing. God does bless his children. But so oftentimes they end up using a passage of scripture that, that that's not actually what it's saying. It's saying something sometimes in some cases completely separate, completely different or even opposite. Um, I find that so often that the vast majority of preaching in America is isogetical. It's they, they come to the table, preachers come to the mind, come to the, to their sermon prep with a perspective already in mind and they find a passage and try to fit it into back up what they're saying rather than just coming to the to the table with a blank slate. Okay, here's what the passage says. What does the passage actually teach us? And then and then get up on a Sunday morning and preach that. And so I think being faithful to the text in preaching is very important. And then second, being faithful to the text in our practice, right? When, when a church is what, how is the church actually structured when they actually, you know, p- p- uh, practice what they're doing, when they actually lay things out, when they actually begin to you know, make decisions, when the, in, in the way that it is structured, is it consistent with what the overall Bible tells us, right? We look at the Bible and say, there's, okay, there's a centrality of the scriptures. There's these messages in the Bible. There's these things that the Bible teaches us. Does this church faithfully and consistently execute upon what the church is telling us, what the Bible is telling us to do. When the Bible makes clear what the church ought to be, does this local church live that out? Or do they seek to live it out? When the Bible makes clear what the structure of the church ought to be, does this church seek to structure their local uh, their you know their local practices in line with the structure that the Bible prescribes for local churches? Right? Is this church in their practice and structure faithful to the text? What does the Bible say? And so you, you ask yourself that question. When I'm determining what church to go to, is this church, this, 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 this leadership team, are they being faithful to the text? Are they preaching what the Bible actually says rather than isogetic preaching, right? Are they actually going through the passages of scripture and presenting what the Bible is telling us and challenging and encouraging the people of God with that in mind? And are they structuring their church and are they developing their methods and their church programs? Are they are they developed, developing them in such a way that is consistent with what, with what, the, what the scripture is actually teaching us and pointing to? So the main question I want to tell people is, is this church being faithful to the text? Now, with that said, I think there are some clear doctrines that are very important to me that I think are being faithful to the text. And if a church doesn't agree with those things, it would be hard for me to attend that particular church. There are certain doctrines. So for example, the doctrines related to the Holy Spirit. For those of you who've been around this podcast for a while, you know that I did a whole series of episodes about the Holy Spirit. If you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to do so. Basically starting in episode 85 and all the way through episode 98, I did a bunch of episodes uh, relating to the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, all of those things. I did I spent a chunk of time doing that. And, and I think 
um, that there are very, I have some very clear opinions and, and understandings of what I think the Bible is teaching us about the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some churches out there that will tell you that if you don't speak in tongues, that you don't have the Holy Spirit and that every Christian that has the Holy Spirit should be speaking in tongues. I disagree with that. I don't believe that that doctrine is faithful to the text. So in my opinion, any church that preaches that is not being faithful to the text, to the counsel of God, the word of God. And therefore, I myself would not... I would not be a part of that particular local church. Now, that's just one example, right? I'm not trying to pick on uh, people who believe that. I'm just giving you one example. There are dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of examples of, of areas and genres of doctrine where people draw lines. And you have to determine for yourself, where are we going to draw the line? Where are me and my family going to draw the line as to what's important? And so there are now there are forms of doctrine that I would say someone could be faithful to the text, but come to a different conclusion than I do. So for example, eschatology, and I know I haven't done this yet on the podcast yet, um, but the end times, if someone believes amillennialism versus postmillennialism, and you don't, if you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter for this illustration, but you know, if someone believes that, uh, that there's going to be a rapture of the church, you know, or some people believe there's not going to be a rapture of the church. Some people believe we're going to, you know, different people have different beliefs about the end times. I think that there are faithful servants on both sides of the argument. I think, I think there's a biblical argument to be made for amillennialism. I think there's a biblical argument to be made for premillennialism. I think there's a biblical argument to be made for postmillennialism. And there are people on, on, on either sides of the argument that I respect and agree, right? Uh, John Piper believes premillennialism. He's a pastor that I respect and I've quoted on the podcast. Um, R.C. Sproul believes postmillennialism. He is another pastor and author that I've quoted on the podcast. Uh, Tim Keller believes in amillennialism, right? He, he is another pastor uh, that I've quoted on the podcast. Sam Storms believes amillennialism. I quoted him several times in my series on the Holy Spirit. So these are different pastors that I would say are being faithful to the text. They are being uh, honest in how they approach the text. They are bringing the text and they are preaching it as faithfully as they can, as consistently as they can. But as they preach and as they study, they have come to different conclusions. And you know what? That's okay. Like It's okay to disagree on those areas. Some areas of doctrine are open-handed issues, like I talked about back in episode 101. And in some of those areas, we're going to have different conclusions. And so I think it's plausible that you could attend a church that you have theological or doctrinal disagreements with as long as the leadership there is being faithful to the text. If someone is being faithful to the text, but they come to a different conclusion than you, that's okay. But if someone has a different conclusion than you because they haven't been faithful to the text, then I would I would probably be hesitant before I jumped in and joined that local church. Uh, so that's kind of my thought process there. Joe, thank you for sending that email. I really appreciate it. I think it's a great question. I think no doubt that that doctrine and theology is very important, obviously, and, and ought to play a part as to how we determine what church we choose to attend. But more importantly, the grander question I think we ask is not necessarily do we have the exact same doctrine, but but do we does this church, does the leadership in the preaching and in the structure and in the philosophies and in the methods, does this church make a a strong attempt to be faithful to the text? If the answer is yes then it is a church I would consider being a part of. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic that you want me to address on the podcast, shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. <laughs>